What's up, everybody? Welcome to All the Cool Parts Podcast, episode 39. We're going to do another episode in our series of Laureate guitar releases that Naxos does, uh, this time from composer and guitarist Johannes Müller. Podcast. We have a very special guest today on the podcast. Mr. Brett Williams is on. What's up, Brett? How are you doing, Tony? I'm doing awesome. Uh, how are you? <clears throat> I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm pretty good. The weather is back to normal over here. I'm in New York and the weather is has been a, a, a pain in the ass, but it's starting to warm up. Yeah. Well, same here. Same here in Indiana. And um, Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I shouldn't be talking at all about that because you, yeah, you're really going through it. I mean, that's the... I keep on thinking you're in Texas. I can't. I don't even know where Indiana is. It's in the middle of the country somewhere. <laughs> well, that's all. That. That's all really. I don't know the know. shape of it. Is it? Is it the one that looks like a? It, it, it's flat on the bottom and it's flat on the left side, and then it's sort of mountainous and and, and goes to a, a peak. There is that Indiana or is that no, Illinois? There are no peaks in Indiana. I don't mean peaks. You know what I mean? Like the shape of, not the geographic shape. No, but the that's shape of. Well, nothing. maybe. Is it a? Uh, is it a square? No, it's not a square. Okay. Um, but you know, you don't need to know the shape of it. It's 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 fine. All um, I need to know is that you're there. You're in. Blo- are you in Bloomington? How far away from Bloomington are you? I'm in Terre Haute, which is like, um, like a fifty minute drive from Bloomington. So that's a great name for for a, for a city, Terre Haute. Terre Haute. Is yes. it a is it an Indian name? Terre Haute. No, Terre Haute means. Um, like high ground or high earth in French. I'm not sure why, but it's not high at all. So I don't know. It's, it's flat. I don't know why it's named that. Maybe they Um, were just, you know, have, have, having a laugh, you know, maybe at your, at your expense. I don't know, but this is, this is in the twenties. This is where all the, uh, this, where Al Capone sent all his girls down here. Is that right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Is that right? That's cool. And there's and all you, these uh, there's all these tunnels and stuff underneath the uh, the downtown that lead to the river that they used during Prohibition to uh, smuggle alcohol. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So it's yeah. a so it's a cool place. I mean, that's you know Al Capone. Well, I wouldn't go in a, that in far. a place that's not fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you keep the hookers in a nice, you keep them in nice quarters. You keep them in a nice, uh, you know, area, I would think. That, well, right. Exactly. You know, you wouldn't just, you know, you wouldn't put them in the, in the, it's not boondocks, right? It's nice. Right. And so the people that inhabit Terre Haute are the progeny of, of, of that. Oh, so they're all uh, <laughs> illegitimate children. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Can you tell? Do they look a little bit different? Sometimes. Like Australians, you can kind of tell. Yeah, there's sometimes. just something in them. No offense to them. I have a lot of Australian <laughs> friends. There's a little thing in there, though. There's a little bit of the, the isn't there like a little like lawlessness to just the uh, the, the way that Australians sort of uh, handle themselves, Tony? 
Um, I you know I don't I haven't met enough Australians <laughs> to say that, but um, well I have, and I can tell you from my experience, and I'm I'm absolutely right about this. Okay, okay, so you heard it. Wh- we're talking about Johannes Moller today, right? Yeah, and uh, just a little bit about you. Um, you host uh, really the number one classical guitar podcast. Um, out there right now called Classical Guitar Insider. Yeah. And uh, Johannes Mueller is not one that you have had on your show, but you have had um, really some of the biggest names in the classical guitar world on your show. Yes. And Yeah. And it's, yeah. A, it's a big deal. I try. Thanks a lot. I tried to get Johannes Mueller on. I, well, I was going to go have him on the show, but I something said he was somebody told me he was coming to New York. What they meant is that he was going to Rochester, New York, which oh. is six hours north. Right, um, right. And, uh, you know, some people have more respect for us podcasters than others and <laughs> just sort of thought that that's something I would want to do, you know, that yeah. I would want to go travel six hours to go see, uh, you know, yet another guitarist. Um, but but I didn't. And I wish I, I really like this, this CD, though. So, you know, I'd love to have him on someday. But, yeah, the right. podcast is, like you said, is classical. You've been on the podcast. You've been on the show. Yes. Um, I have been that was a show. great episode where we, you know, we, we, we really went into it about um, about the attitude of uh, academic composers versus the realities of uh, of composing in a, in a capitalist society. Right. <laughs> we went into a whole bunch of stuff. Um cool. We also yeah. talked about your car. We, yeah, talked about my yeah yeah my car. Now, do you still have that car? You still have the the Volkswagen it's, Beetle? Yeah, it's my wife's car actually, but um, we still. What does have it say it. on the side there? It says Turbo or something. It says Beetle, and and you described it as in, um, <laughs> what did you say? Riptide font, I believe, which is which was really accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad attitude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're riding around in a Beetle. Right. And, 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 you're, and you're 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 like me. You're you're a guy with a, a a wider frame. So a beetle is just not what you would put people like you and me in. Right. But it's, it's, right. It's something that we picture ourselves in because we don't see <laughs> ourselves right the way that the that's, rest of the world. That's right. <laughs> exactly. I see myself as some sort of lanky, sort of like um, progressive guy, but to the rest of the world, I, I look like a like an angry uh, uh, guy in finance. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, you know, I don't know. So you're in charge here. So yeah, but that's that's the, I I really loved that interview and I liked having you in town. Are you coming back to my house anytime soon? Well, I hope. I don't know. I mean, that that's the one thing that's kind of unique and cool about your podcast is yes. that most podcasts, like the one I do and uh, uh, the other ones on this network, Sound Notion, and uh, many many others do interviews, and we heavily rely on using Skype and or Google Hangouts or something. We're on Skype right now. But you have people come to your apartment. That's how you do it. And I, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really important to me that they do. I, uh, you know, uh, to me, especially at the beginning, because now we're, we're over 50 episodes in, but especially at the beginning, it was important to me to disarm the guest a little bit because I was dealing with people who didn't know who I was. Um, and, um, and in order to sort of, and they, they, nobody knew what a podcast was even just two, two and a half years ago when I started this, virtually nobody in the classical guitar world knew what a podcast was. Right. So they thought they were coming in for like an NPR style, Bob Boylan sort of interview where, you know, this, this, uh, you know, um, 
reverent sort of host would uh, just, you know, give the microphone over to them and ask them about their latest project. And, uh, you know, I know I did. I knew I didn't want a, a podcast like that. I wanted something that was, you know, strictly conversational and, um, and, 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 and enjoyable to me, too, because the thing was, is I started off with some other podcasts another guy's podcast before, not about music. And um, the thing that I really enjoyed about it was that, you know, when you're sitting there and you're face to face with somebody and you're and you're having an honest conversation, there's there's nothing like that. I hadn't experienced anything like that since I was a kid and I'm enjoying my conversation with you right now. But it's it's it to me, it just it, it yeah. does. It's not as enjoyable. It's, it's really an enjoyable experience to connect with somebody face to face for an hour uninterrupted, undistracted. And it was something that I hadn't really experienced before uh, podcasting. And, um, you know, just, I think it just, you know, made a lot of my relationships better. And so I really wanted, I really wanted it to be that way. Also, I wanted to disarm the guests who generally uh, didn't have a lot of respect for me, at least at first. And, um, <clears throat> and so I, I had them in the apartment and now I can, you know, now I've got, uh, you know, a portable rig. And if it's someone like, if it's, um, you know, like like a young girl from another country or something. Uh, you know, I'm interviewing. Then I'll I'll go to their hotel or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, I won't have them come to some strange guy. You know, in, you sure, know, some strange sure. guy's apartment. Yeah, yeah. And it, but but you know, yeah. So I I really enjoy. It. It's not a bad apartment, but it is an apartment. You know. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. I mean, it it really is. It is a. It creates a whole different dynamic. Yeah. Um. When you're there. You know, sitting across the table face to face in person with somebody um, versus on Skype. It's just a whole different thing. So, yes, um, people out there, really, I would suggest um, go out and uh, listen to to Classical Guitar Insider. It's a podcast really like uh, especially especially in the world of classical music. There is no there is not another podcast like it, especially yeah, with, with well, your thanks, intros man. and stuff. It's uh it's really engaging and unique, and um, uh, you all should go out and uh, check it out. Um, so uh, this uh, this episode, you know, it's a uh, one in a series of episodes that we've done on these CD releases by Naxos Recordings of these Laureate series they call, and it's usually some competition winner, right, of some competition um, that that sort of receives this as a prize. Like it's sort of part of their prize that they get to record this CD for Naxos and they release it. And it's not just guitar players. There are other instruments that have done these CDs, but it's mostly guitar. And I think it, I'm pretty sure it started with guitarists, this series, this Laureate yeah. series. Um, and this is one from 2010 of guitarist Johannes Mueller. Mueller? Mueller? I'm probably pronouncing know. that wrong. I, I don't know. It's not Mueller, I don't think, because that would be Mueller. the U with the little dots over uh -huh. it, but it's Mueller? maybe Moeller. Moeller? Mueller? <laughs> How do you spell his name? Uh, I don't know. It's M-O, then the O has the umlaut over it, so it's M-O-L-L-E-R. Let's go. Do you want to call him Mueller? Let's call him Mueller. Mueller. Let's just go ahead and do it and mispronounce it. I do it he'll, all the time. He'll, it, um, it, they mispronounce my name, is what I always say. I mean, you know, it's, it's How like... How can you uh, mispronounce Williams? Uh, well, I'll tell you, well... <laughs> It's like there was a guest who was from Iran and I called it Iran and I still call it Iran and I know that's bad. I know it's Iran. Yes. But then she had no problem calling me Brett. 
let's not even go here, man. Because we, you could, know what I'm saying? No, I know, but I, I and I know which I know which guest you're talking about too, and we could probably talk about it for the next thirty minutes. But it's like I don't um, really care. Like it's I, yeah. I, I expect to be corrected, but I, I don't expect people to get upset about it. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, hopefully Johannes doesn't get upset about it. And if he does, um, it's it's understandable. That's the way most people are. They get upset yeah. about their names. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, this, this series. So he, he won the Guitar Foundation of America <clears throat> competition in 2010. This is, at this point, I, I don't know if you'd agree with me or not, but at this point, this is probably the biggest uh, classical guitar competition in the world at this point. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. Yeah. It doesn't, I don't hear, I, I, but see, I mean, maybe that's just because we're American. But well, it, it even says like it even says on on Johannes's website. He says it's the, you know the biggest one in the world. So I think has I won think any it's, others? Has he won like Torrega or anything like that? Uh, not that one. He has won others, um, some in Europe. But um, the only is, one I can think about is the Torrega competition. That's the only one that I think I hear yeah, about as but, much yeah, in people's but, bios as but, I do. Yeah, but them. I think at this point the GFA is bigger. I think Torrega maybe in the past could have yeah. been viewed as bigger. But I think, I think at this point these days, GFA is like the number one one. Well, I think what they do, what the foundation does uh, and what they do is smart. They, when people win, they become intimately involved. They come back year after year after year for performances and master classes. Yeah. They, uh, they, they, you know, they get, they get booked in special tours and special talks. They have, you know, um, little symposiums that they do now where, you know, people like Johannes or people like, you know, um, solo duo will come and do a talk or something like that. And so by maintaining the relationship with the winners and then having the winners come back and become part of the foundation forever, I think that that sort of builds on itself. And I don't know yes. if the other competitions do that. I think, you know, they win and then that's it. Then, see you later and they never come back to that competition again maybe right. to judge once or right. twice but there's a big difference between coming back as a judge and you know and coming back and, and having a having it be part of your performance career you know yeah and so i think that's i think that that may explain why it has gotten as big as it's gotten it's mm -hmm. more of a, it's a huge institution yes you know yeah absolutely and and the publication soundboard is also i think probably the most credible uh, source for classical guitar reviews at this point, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. No, they've got a whole, yeah, a whole, a whole web of things, you know? Yeah. That it's, a, that's a great campus. point. Yeah. It's a great point. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, this guy won in 2010. Yeah. And he was, uh, fairly young, I think early twenties. Um, and, uh, then, you know, he recorded this CD and you know, overall, the one th one thing that drew me to this CD uh, for talking about on this show was the diversity of it. Because one thing yeah. that, and I I think you're with me on this. One thing that I kind of get sick of seeing is the same pieces recorded over and over again, the same Barrios pieces, and the, the same uh, you know Soar pieces, and the same Brower pieces. Even though I I love all those pieces you know it's like the same stuff that's being played and recorded over and over again and yeah. this had some different things to offer on it including a piece by himself right yeah 
Right. Which is, uh, you know, I mean, I, that's that's something that I would always advocate, mm-hmm. especially after I started doing it. You do it. Uh, but yeah, the, the guitarist composer is the only way that uh, I think playable, first of all, compositions are going to be written um, that are playable and intricate to, enough to be interesting. You know, that's the thing is I think a lot of people who write for guitar uh, don't know how to play guitar. It's it's just impossible for them to get their head around it. And they do one of two things. They either write something that's, you know, impossible for 70 percent of us to play or they write something that is, a uh, you know, sort of this gooey little melasma of slow, <laughs> chordal, you know, um, movement with no real rhythmic um, intricacies or backbone. And so, you know, I think the more players like this guy, who's, you know, one of the best players in the world right now, uh, if he's writing a piece of guitar music, even if it's not good, it's important, you know, it's important that he gets good at it. Yes, 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 yes. And we'll definitely talk about that sure. uh, when we get to it. Um, it, it. Is there anything else you want to say about any of your general impressions of this album before we sort of get into the tracks? <sighs> okay, I, I liked the album. I liked it a lot. I, I thought it was a, a very good album. Um, it was an album by a young guy, you know. I mean, even though it was varied, it, it it didn't have the depth of character that you know something from a guy who was in his forties would have, or something like that. But um, you know, and, and that's the only thing that I, I don't differ from you in the opinion that it was cool that he gave us some new, um, you know, some new works to work with. But, you know, um, it did seem a little formulaic to me in the sense that, like, you know, you, you get your Via Lobos, you, you get your, you know. Um, sure. There, there was definitely you, you get, some of you the get your Brower, there, yeah. And then you get like, a, 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 this is aside from the piece that he wrote, which I always advocate for. Um, it's like, first of all, I don't even have the album pulled up. I'm just coming off the top of my head. But, you know, the, the overall feeling I get from all of these Laureate series albums is there is a, there is a homogeneity to them that, where they they sort of, they, they all kind of like hit on all the points. They get like a new composer, maybe a Renaissance composer, and then they, they play some, uh, some Spanish, blah, 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 maybe a very challenging um, Yo Bay or, you know, another classical era um, competition piece, you know, whatever they right, run the competition right. with. So I'm really looking forward more to what he's going to do in the future. But this was a great introduction. And as far as these albums go, as far as the Laureate series goes, this this was a real gem. Like, I, I thought it was a good album. And his playing was great. Oh, yeah. And his playing yeah. varied, too. It wasn't consistent. Some pieces he approached better than others, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, how did you feel? Uh, I, well, I felt similarly. Um, you know, you brought, you brought up a point, which is correct, that... You know, it maybe doesn't have the depth of an album recorded by an older, more experienced player, a 40-year-old player. But what it does have, I think, is it has a great youthful exuberance that maybe you wouldn't wouldn't find on an album from a 40-year-old guitarist. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know... Tony, sorry about this. I'm having a hard time hearing you. Okay. Um, um, are you... You're only coming into kind of one ear here. Maybe it's me. On my end, I'm going to try and fix it a little bit. Sorry okay. about this. Okay, no problem. Oh, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Is it good? Yeah. yeah okay. We're good. We're good. Okay. Okay. But, Sorry um, about that. No, no problem. But, uh, yeah. I don't um, think you have to edit that. There, but, yeah, like you're saying, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, there are definitely things um, like that. It's interesting that a lot of, you're right, a lot of these CDs are like that because 
I think a lot of the players of these CDs, like I said, they are competition winners. So they're all, they're pretty much all recording these CDs uh, pretty early in their careers. It's not, you know, there are exceptions to that, but um, uh, a lot of the pieces that end up on these uh, CDs are the pieces that they prepare for these competitions. So they are these sort of, you know, flashy competition pieces, a lot of standard rep, you know, um, stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they, but I, yeah, they kind of fall into one of those three categories. Uh-huh. Though. It's either classical slash Renaissance. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying, I mean, that's not really just only a problem with the Naxos. Uh, it's, it's just sort of, a, you know, it's, it's sort of all over the industry, but I yeah. don't, I don't really yeah. think much. Is, it's not a huge issue. It just, it, you know, I knew what I was getting. You know, sure. I know what I'm getting with a with a with a you know GFA uh, Laureate Series CD, um, but yeah. So I think I got everything here. Um, so yeah, okay. What, what, what do you think? Well, let's go into the first track, um, the first excerpt that I'm going to play. Okay, and it is from, and I know I'm going to uh, m- murder this name. Um, it's from Carol Arnoldus Cravenger Cravanger. Um, that's I'm not sure. Is the first track? Yes, that's the first uh, excerpt. What about the bar here? Oh, you're doing excerpts. We're, yep, we're doing excerpts. Oh, okay, good. Um, okay. And uh, I had never heard of this composer before. He was a, mm-hmm. he was new to me. He's a 19th century Dutch composer, uh, reportedly a virtuoso on guitar and violin of the time. And uh, the piece is called "Introduction and Variations on a Theme of Der Freischutz." from uh, Carl Maria von Weber's opera, Der Freischutz. Um, you know, this is a, a lot of composers, especially around that time, wrote these theme and variation pieces for guitar. There's several of them that are famous in the standard repertoire, um, like the variations on the theme of Mozart, of Fernando Sor, right. a big one. Um, and uh, this one that we're going to listen to, this excerpt, is like, is the minor variation. There's always the minor variation, you know, right. the slower, uh, haunting minor variation. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and this is, this is that one, right. Um, uh, but for me, you know, I mean this, uh, this, not just this excerpt, but this whole piece, um, right off the bat, it shows his versatility as a player, you know, and his ability to handle, um, different styles from different eras, um, his ability to sort of separate, you know, melody from accompaniment and which it, it's harder on guitar. I mean, it's, it's easier to do that on something like piano, you know, Yeah. but on guitar, yeah. you know, you're sort of, you know, you're sort of articulating all the notes with the same hand, not with different hands. So it's a little harder. Um, but it's a beautiful excerpt. I mean, at the end of the excerpt, um, the melody sort of changes to the bass, and, you know, the guitar really gets to sort of sing like a cello. Um, it's a very nice sound. Um, yeah, what do you think of this piece? Uh, I mean, I, I think that, you know, whenever you are, um, yeah, dealing with, with some, I mean, it, it, like you're saying, these variations are hard. Like you're talking about the variations on the theme, uh, the Mozart by Sword and stuff like that. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I'm always, I'm kind of a sucker for these pieces. I like... I like it when yeah, um, I kind of am too. <laughs> there's that much depth, and it really comes through. It's like you are, 
you're listening to something that his that 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 was originally written and originally conceived for such a grand, you know, stage, you know, something like, you know, Defraschutz or whatever by, by Weber. It's like, that's, I mean, that's like a huge undertaking to take what was like, I guess like, was it's like the first German romantic opera, right? Like the first real straw, like pre Wagnerian pre um, like the first German opera really, I think is the thing about from what I remember. Right. Um, so sure. To so take yeah, I'm like not, that, I'm definitely and, not an opera ex expert. I'm not, but, I'm not. And yeah. I'm acting like I just found this out, but I wrote this down when I did research about his piece. <laughs> um, from what I remember, but the thing <laughs> from the, the thing is, is that, um, yeah, he, whenever you do that, I'm a sucker for it because it really, all the drama and stuff like that comes through and it's sort of, um, siphoned into the guitar. You know, so so I, I liked the piece and I liked the way he played it. And it seemed like he had a, a pretty strong connection with the piece. Yes. And it's it's again, it's it's cool because it's not a piece you hear very often. It's no. from a, a pretty obscure um, 19th century composer. And, uh, you know, I would just love that it wasn't variations on a theme of Mozart, even though no. I, I love that piece. You know, yeah. I love that it was not that piece. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was what, basically you're getting what you want if you want the variations on a theme by Mozart, but you're getting a, a new piece. Yes. Which is always fun. I always like that about bands too and stuff like that when they, you know, when they come back with an album that sounds like, I mean, I, I it's not fair to the musicians and to the artists, but like as a listener, like that's what you want. Like if you fell in love with a band, you kind of want their album to sound at least somewhat like, like the other one. So anyway, you know, it's yeah. uh, like, like we said, we both like this format. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's check it out. All right, cool. Um, this is an excerpt from Carol Arnoldus Cravanger. <laughs> his, <laughs> oh my God, his piece. Cravanger. Yeah. His, <laughs> his piece, introduction and variations on a theme of Der Freischutz.
And we just heard introduction and variations on the theme of Der Freischutz of um, that guy's name that I can't uh, say. And yeah, um, His name is, is Crave Anger. Crave Anger. Uh, that's what we're saying. Crave that's Anger. That's what it looks like. Yes. Um, the next uh, track that we're going to listen to is from Haitor Villalobos, the uh, great Brazilian guitarist and composer. Um, and we're going to hear a bit from his from the cadenza from Hio, uh, from Avil Lobos's guitar concerto. Now this is unusual. I have you ever seen someone put a cadenza on their CD as like a standalone piece? I mean, maybe not a cadenza. No, I mean, because that, that's does he just he does the second movement or does he just do the cadenza? I can't it's, remember. It's just the cadenza. Yeah, I, I like that. I've never. I don't yeah. know if I've ever heard of anybody doing that. Yeah. I'm sure it may happen in like some, you know, large scale violin recordings, you know, mm-hmm. where somebody's releasing like a best of album or something like that. But, but like, no, never in, in the in the guitar world. And this is an incredible cadenza, you know. Yeah. Like I've always really loved that cadenza. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if, 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 go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, he, the way um, I love the way he plays this because I was talking about the sort of youthful exuberance you know, aspect of the recording. And, uh, you know, he just dives right into this thing. You know, uh, it's, it's just, it, there, there's nothing no. subtle he, about it. And, and, and there are some subtle moments like, um, in the middle when the, there's this section with the uh, natural harmonics and stuff, right. but, um, he just, he just dives right into it. It's right in your, it's just in your face. It's aggressive. No, and, and the thing is, um, is that everything that we've gotten before this on this album has been a lot more tame. Yes. So it is a little shocking. Like, it's a little jarring. It's like all of a sudden we got Loverboy here, you know, which is great. <laughs> I love it. But he, you know, because it's this is what I w- was kind of missing in, in, in the you know first four tracks um, from him was this was real commitment. Like he really he was in the moment with this and he loved it. And so, um, you know, I played this concerto when I lost my concerto competition with it. And um, and I hated not playing it again because it was it's it's so much more than a concerto. It's really it's a big like sort of um, the whole concerto just really kind of covers a lot of Villalobos's basses. You know, it gives you a lot of different things. It gives you bass melodies. It gives you all sorts of cool stuff. Oh, well, it, yeah, it has like everything that. Villalobos that makes Villalobos did. cool on guitar. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's a really good piece. So, you know, I, I like that he's keeping it alive. Like, he's like, you know what, I'm not going to put this down. And I, I can understand why he's doing that. Yeah. From having played it um, myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this kind of playing, this kind of playing is what wins competitions. But the the, the important thing, I think, is that he's not limited to that kind of playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. not. Um, he's not limited. He can do he can do anything. But that's what I'm talking about with this recording by a young artist. Again, you know, saying that is is the fact that we do have these little slight inconsistencies in tone. You know, we don't I, I don't quite know who I'm talking to yet. With right, this album, right, right, right. You know, where just all of a sudden he's going to pop out and just play the second, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the cadenza. You know, I mean, that's that's pretty wild. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was cool. I thought it was a very cool choice. Right. Me too. Um, so, yeah, let's check this out. 
This is the cadenza from Heitor Villalobos' Guitar Concerto. just heard the cadenza from Hytor Villalobos' guitar concerto. We're going to move on to our third excerpt, also from Villalobos, from his 12 etudes for guitar. This is number 12, um, Un Piu Anime. And, uh, you know, I've always loved this etude of Villalobos. Um, Always referred to it as the heavy metal etude. Yeah. Um, But of course, it was written like, you know, probably 50 years before heavy metal existed. Um, yeah, I mean, this was this, this this was actually to me, this seemed like a pairing, like a conscious pairing of the concerto and the 12th etude. And it worked well, but it didn't work for me well enough. It's like I got what I wanted. Um, the pieces. So I, I know what he was going for. He was like, well, you know, the pieces share sort of this similar feeling. Mm hmm. But really, it, it fell a little flat because they both had the same feeling, but they um, they didn't have any thematic consistency. So it's sort of like it kind of um, it kind of folded. I, I think the idea kind of uh, folded in on itself a little bit. But I totally respect the attempt, and I still right. totally enjoyed listening to it. Yeah. But I think I think the idea of pairing was a clever idea um, that wasn't you know completely um, stable. Right. 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 That that's a good point. Um, if if you just take it sort of just as is, just I mean, just the piece by itself. Yeah. Um, 
I really like how he plays it. I mean, I think it's just how it should be played. He just he just freaking attacks this thing. Yeah, he does from the get go. Yeah. Um, and it's you know it's very easy to play this particular piece really sloppy. Yeah. Um, but he plays the crap out of it, and he plays it really clearly and cleanly. Um, you know, so it's a it's a testament to his technique. You know that he can he can play something like this. Uh, so aggressively and have it come off also so clear. Yeah, no, and he does that. I mean, again, you know, this is a guy who can totally play anything. So it's it's just, um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with it. I'm down with this piece. Yeah, that's that's interesting I'm though. Down you, with the piece and I'm definitely down with the way he played it. Yeah, it's interesting though. A point though that you brought up because I never really thought of it as like a set you know but you're you're right i think that's what the intention was yeah you know, like it's those two pieces together yeah 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 oh yeah and you're right it doesn't quite work as a set um <laughs> it doesn't quite work as a set yeah but they work individually great yes and i think he was excited about doing it i think he was like you know what this is like i got these two pieces i can kill them both i'm gonna kill them people are gonna go nuts right Re- exactly and yeah. they do like it, yeah. it, 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 it works. It, does, it it doesn't work. It's not as it doesn't work as well as something that's been completely thought out well. But it, it works enough. It's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's check it out. All right. This uh, again, uh, second track from Villa Lobos from his Twelve Etudes. This is Etude Twelve. <laughs> just heard Villa Lobos uh, etude number 12 we're going to move on to a track by Canadian composer Dennis Galgaon I'm probably saying that wrong again um, we do what we can yeah saying it wrong and doing it what we can um, he was born 1951 so he is a living composer um, this piece of his called Lamento Scherzo is what we're going to listen to like the sort of the very beginning of it Mm-hmm. Um, and what 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 are your opinions of this track? Well, you know, I I think it's fine. You know, I think that everyone seems to think they need a you know tonally ambiguous 
piece on their laureate recording. <laughs> you just need one. Um, you know, but as, as you listen to it more, it's not quite, to- it's, it's not that tonally ambiguous. Like it's, it's, it's a pretty thing. Uh, when, when, when you're playing a piece like this, it's, it's almost what happens to a lot of new music. It just, I need more balls with a piece like this. Uh, you know, especially after listening to him really dig into the Lobos, and then coming in with this, um, <clears throat> he just seems a little more timid and, uh, um, yeah, this was uh, th- this was a, a weaker part of the recording for me, whereas the Via Lobos obviously was a huge highlight. Yeah, so just coming off the things of that and, and having everybody again, very young players, feeling like uh, you know they need to you know have 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 sort of a weird piece in there, you know, <laughs> got to throw that one in there. Just make sure you're covering all your bases, making everybody happy. But um, you know, when I hear anybody play something like that or like. Um, Oh, who's that guy? Frank Martin or whatever. I really like it when people dig in like Bream style, you know? Right, right, right. To, to new music. Like that's that's the way I like it. I like it when people commit to it, you know, mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm. dancer. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I'm glad I love that you have we have a differing opinion. So I have a sort cool. of a different opinion on this, but I, I really like this track a lot. I mean, oh, OK, not just the composition, which I really liked, but I actually liked how. Johannes approached it because um, the composition has got these sort of different layers of different things going on. Yeah. You know, you have this like strident dissonance and like the middle of the texture. And then you have this, this sort of melody stuff going on in the bass and this, this chordal stuff going on. And then sometimes there's these like big strummed chords. There are all these different things sort of going on at once. Yeah. And the, uh, the thing I really liked about Johannes's performance is how he gets these different tonal colors for all these different layers. It's like he assigns these different colors to these different layers. So all these different things can really stand out as their own sound, but they're all kind of happening. Yeah, that's this, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all kind of happening yeah. at once. Um, mm-hmm. And uh yeah, I mean, I, I just, I really well, I like his, listen to his approach. I have to go, yeah, I, like, like I, like I told you, it's like I, I haven't quite listened to these in, in a couple of weeks, but I, you know, we're listening to it now. I guess I shouldn't have said that, right? No, Fuck. you should say um, whatever comes into your mind because we don't have to, <laughs> we don't have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I just was a little bit maybe just like I said, like I was charged up by what happened before with the 12th A2. Well, yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then just to go from that to this to just like, oh, man, really? <laughs> like, you know, I was so charged up. I you was know, so ready to go out and that's another party. That's another good point. You know, I'm kind of taking these pieces like individually. Yeah. But that's a great point. If you're just listening to the album just straight through, um. Yeah, you got your friends over, whatever. They're like, that's, this guy's awesome. And that's a sudden, very good out. point. That possibly yeah. it wasn't uh, the best place to stick this piece right after those. Where do you um, stick these pieces though, when you're doing a recital recording? It's you know? true. Well, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough to make a mixtape. It really is tough <laughs> to make a mixtape, and that's what these that's what these guys are, you know, tasked with. Right. You know, I mean, it's 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 hard to know because there there is a mood, there is a time and a place for a piece like this. You know, and I'm not talking about for us. I'm talking about for the general populace or you know uh-huh. a, a, a concert or whatever. But um, you know, and this happens a lot when I'm 
playing classical music when I got some people over or something like that. Happens a lot where I have to fast forward through tracks, you know? Sure. Um, but that's just, I think that's just the nature of the beast, you know? This is a, this is an aficionado uh, industry, you know, and we're, we're expected to get past those things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, let's check this out. The first part of uh, Dennis Galgan's piece, uh, Lamento Scherzo. just heard Lamento Scherzo of Dennis Gaugan, and we're going to move on to Leo Brower's Sonata for Guitar, the first movement, Fandangos y Boleros. Uh, Leo Brower is like a giant of the guitar world. I mean, he's, every guitarist plays his music. He's a guitarist. Um, he's one of the, the major composers of guitar music of the last, I'd say, 50 years at this point. Um, and, uh, this is, you know, a big sonata that he wrote that a lot of, uh, guitarists have picked up and are playing. Um, you know, yeah, I've it heard blows me away how much he's played. Yeah. I mean, all the time. And he has, you know, a group of, of etudes that every, that uh, we all have to go through. Yeah. Every guitarist that are, that is starting out learning has to play these etudes. And that's my, that was my earliest memory of new music was, was the Brow Ray Toots, was listening to people play those. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just, be, you know, so, so that's the thing. I mean, it, yeah, but I have just, just recently began to realize how important uh, he is and how, 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 one, how wonderful his music is. Yeah. yeah. You know, I didn't like it coming up that much because I was sort of sitting there going like okay well I love playing Via Lobos and I love playing Soar and I you know and then I would kind of like do these and or the, the etudes the etudes first of all they're very short you know yes some of them are and um 
Yeah, so I didn't like having to play them. But now coming back to it, and particularly the Sonata, is amazing. It's an awesome piece. Yes. And, um, you know, I just, I, yeah, I don't know why we don't have other composers like that. It, 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 you know, we, it, he seems like he's the only one that we play this consistently um, that everybody knows about. Maybe like a Takamitsu or, you know. No, not... Not he, but he, he only has one piece. Yeah. Right? No, I think you're right. I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right Just somebody about that. who has a concerto out there, like, yeah. like a Via Lobos of the modern day. That's right. You know what I mean? Even yeah. though Via Lobos is modern, too. Like, but not as modern as Brower. Brower was, uh, is he still alive? He is still is he? alive. He's, um, he's 76 mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's still alive. Still, oh, that, well, still that's, writing. That's kind of young now. That makes me feel young. Still, uh, you know, still conducting. I think his main gig now is he conducts an orchestra in over in Spain. In, yeah, in Spain. That's the uh, last thing I heard about him. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, this is a big, meaty piece. I mean, it's it's hard. It's technically hard. It's musically hard. I liked um, his playing of this Brower. Yeah. It was, it was sensitive. It was meditative. But at the same time, it was strong. Yes. You know? And... Um, you know, I, I like the piece we're about to start, but definitely the Takata was awesome too. Mm-hmm. You know, the Takata was just great. Yes. When he played it. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, in this excerpt, some of these figures are, you know, they're really complex. Um, right. They're sort of uh, expected to be performed it's at a kind of lightning fast tempo. And they sort of incorporate, you know, arpeggio scales and harmonics and sort of all in this like one fast blur of a of a lick i guess you could say um and i think maybe you know this is the first movement is called fandangos y boleros and maybe this is sort of like these are kind of abstractions of of like flamenco like fast flamenco um scale runs and and uh you know chord strumming and stuff that's kind of how i how i hear it yeah um yeah yeah but he he executes this stuff just uh, masterfully. Uh, Johannes does. Yeah, he really has command over this piece, and he has he has a relationship with it, and it's 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 really it's it's obvious. Yeah, you know, this is but, like the second, <laughs> not not nothing not to take away from it. This is like the second best performance of this that I've heard. I've heard yeah. probably like ten guitarists play it. The best performance of this I ever saw probably by I would say a large margin was by Randall Avers um, yeah he yeah, had, did you see that in San Antonio is that what you're talking about no I saw him play it at the GFA competition he wasn't competing he played a concert and it was in 2005 in Oberlin okay Ohio sure and um, he just had such an understanding musically of this piece and I've heard this piece several times before and I just was kind of like, oh, okay, I don't know. It's just, no, I kinda, that's what I'm saying. It's like it, it really then, does depend. I think that was my thing. That's why I didn't like it originally. That's why I didn't like Brower originally. Is because it wasn't played by skilled musicians all the time. Exactly. And you then, really have to have the skills to play new music. Yeah. Well, you have to have the skills technically and musically. Yeah. And once uh, I heard Randall play it at the end, I was just like, okay, I get this piece now. It, yeah, it I mean, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Especially with Randy Avers too, because he's. He's totally got that ability. Yeah. 
um, not just technically, but he, you know, his, 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 his ability to communicate just on a, in a, even just a, you know, on a verbal level is, is great. Like I've seen a masterclass with him too. And he's just like, that's what you need. You need a guy who's passionate about ideas and, and, and at the same time has the skills to back it up, you know? And mm -hmm. that's what this guy is. Mm -hmm. is, is so that, that's why I'm so excited to see this player go forward because he may end up being, you know, our favorite player one day. You know, uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You could see that in some of these pieces. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's uh, <laughs> let's check this out. Um, right. This uh, excerpt from Leo Brower's Sonata for Guitar from the first movement, Fandangos y Boleros. just heard uh, an excerpt from Leo Brower's Sonata, and we're going to move on to our last excerpt, a piece by Johannes Müller um, called, uh, where is it? It's called a, <laughs> a called, poem to a distant fire. Yeah, a poem to a distant fire. Um, yeah. And uh, this is really unusual. I can't think of another Laureate series CD where the guitarist has a, their own piece on there. I don't, um, it's, yeah, it's such a good contribution. Yeah. And especially for someone who, you know, I mean, I'm assuming that he's very young when this CD came out. Yeah. Well, I um, read that um, he started composing pretty young and he won like these awards and stuff when he was like 12 years old and some Swedish paper 
yeah you know said oh is he the swedish mozart <laughs> <laughs> well well um you know yeah. which i think he should have on his business card should we just say johannes swedish Müller, mozart. the swedish mozart <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you know journalists are always um you know we're we're we're, we're we're always wanting uh, better people to come into into the journalistic wing of uh, classical music. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, they tend to come up a little short. Um, but so as, as far as uh, this piece, I mean, what a good contribution. I mean, I, I wish every like I said before, I wish everybody did this. Um, you know, not anything we haven't heard before, again, with sort of the, the melasma. And just sort of the, 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 again, I liked the drone. We, you know, you, you could talk more, speak more about his tuning and stuff like that. But, um, but it was, it, it was good and it was a great start. And it's just like, it just people just need to be more expressive. I mean, that's, I think that's what the world is demanding of us at this point, you know? Oh, yeah. As guitarists. So the more we can do stuff like this and the more we put it out there because yeah he's going to put this out there and people can either like it or not like it and then he can you know make changes and, and evolve as an artist as a composer so right you know i really hope he um he keeps doing it cuz again a gfa winner like you're saying a gfa winner composing uh, that's just gold there that's gold for our, for for us as artists you know that's mm-hmm. what you need you need people that can play that well composing yes um, cause they know, they know the shortcuts. I mean, if you talk to those guys, it's like, they just, they, they there's such a laissez faire to the way that they play, but that all comes from just sort of just cutting the fat technically, mm-hmm. you know, trimming it off until it's, until it's, until you can play it, you know, they know what they're doing. And so it's, um, it's super important that people who win competitions and are, and are playing at Johannes's level or are, are, um, are contributing in this way if they can. Yes. And oh, I can't definitely. imagine that they can't. Right. You know, I can't imagine that you, you, they, they just can't compose. <laughs> it just seems <laughs> like I, I understand it's hard and it takes time and, um, and it takes away from your practice regiment, which, you know, is six to eight hours a day. So I understand, but eventually you shouldn't be practicing six to eight hours a day and you should be doing something else. Right. Right. Anyway, that's my rant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, but, but yeah, yeah, you you mentioned the drone. Um, yeah, it's awesome. What is one that of the uh, one of the kind of unusual things about this piece is he tunes the guitar differently from the way it's normally tuned. Yeah. So he takes the third string down to F sharp from G where it normally is. Mm-hmm. He tunes the fifth string um, to G from A where it normally is, and then he tunes the sixth string all the way down to G an octave below that. So he's got this like double G down at the bottom and on the bottom end is really low G. And he sort of uses that as a kind of drone in the piece and does a lot of stuff. Yeah. Kind of, kind of above this drone. Um, Well, now I take back everything I said about him making it guitaristic and easy to play. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's got some stuff in here that is definitely not easy to play. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I think it's a beautiful composition. It, he uses a lot of like natural and artificial harmonics and sort of, you know, pop out of the texture like a kaleidoscope, you know. Um, yeah, and I the, really wish we had more ability with harmonics as guitarists. Yeah. It's like because um, it's such a cool tool. And whenever you hear it used correctly, not correctly, but used creatively and interestingly, it's it's so effective. Yeah. You know? Well, at the end of this piece. I mean, he he uses some really unusual harmonics that they sound like they would be really difficult 
to get out of the guitar, <laughs> but he yeah. does it, you know, somehow. I wonder what um, kind of guitar he plays. And I hate asking that question, but you know, when it comes to harmonics and right. making them pop and stuff, that's, that's important. Yeah. You definitely need a guitar that can resonate and sing enough for these things to, to actually be able to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the answer to that question, but um, it, yeah, I'm sure it's accessible. I'm sure people can find out. Oh yeah. I'm sure if you go to his <laughs> website, you can find out. Um, yeah. Let's check this out. All right. This last track from Johannes Mueller, his own piece, Poem to a Distant Fire. And we just heard Johannes Müller's poem to a distant fire. And uh, we're going to have a little bonus track here. Um, our My guest, Brett Williams, has recently released his own CD of music called The Music of Brett Williams. Um, it's several pieces uh, for classical guitar, clarinet, violin, and bass. And uh, I'm going to play one, the first track called The Gravity of Miss Peters. Um, what's, what's up with that title? <laughs> You know what? Um, I hate to say this, but uh, I am terrible with uh, titles. I don't ever, you know, I have another album of, of uh, that has a couple of solo pieces on it, like three or four solo pieces. Uh, my last album has those. And I just uh, come up with the titles all in one day. So uh, the gravity of Miss Peters is just something I thought rolled off the town. Uh, to- I, th- I thought it was very evocative. I think, uh, you know, gravity can be, you know, used in so many different ways. And um, Miss Peters, I think it just sort of is evocative of maybe turn of the century, something like that. It's yeah, just something, yeah. just something, you know, that's sort of uh, evocative and doesn't really necessarily have that much to do with the piece. Um, I don't know. 
That's that's sort yeah. of where where I was going with that with all the titles. Sometimes, you know, like there's one piece on here called like African fighting montage with brief ninja appearance. Right. That's a, that's very literal. You know, like that's that's I think that's kind of what the song sounds like. So I don't know. I kind of went all over the place. Um, but yeah, there, there is no Miss Peters. And um, <laughs> and the gravity part has nothing to do with anything. So unfortunately, there's no big story behind that. Well, but it's, you know, it's a piece of music that's, you know, an absolute, basically like an absolute piece of music. It's just music for the sake of music, right? Yes. There's no like extra program behind it or something. It's just. No, no. Yeah, it's music. That goes with all the pieces. That goes yeah. with everything I write. Um, you know, and this one in particular, this is one that you, when you came and you did my podcast, you know, I only had the MIDI for it. Um, and I just started composing for other people. So this has, you know, you'll hear who it has other, it's not just me, it's violin, clarinet, double bass and me. And, um, and so I was kind of new to it and I checked it with you and you were like, you listen to the first couple of pieces and you were like, yeah, you know, that's pretty good. And then you listen to this one. You were like, okay, well you should, you should do this. So really you were a big influence on me continuing with it. You know, if you'd listened oh, cool. to it and you said, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's pretty pretty good i'd be like oh shit like i really <laughs> was was depending on you you know at least i don't know uh getting um jazzed up about one of the pieces and this is the one that i think you liked and then now like you know this is the one that you asked if you could play so it seems like you connected with this one pretty heavily D definitely yeah okay um yeah yeah i i, I love this track um, and i love that we both came out with an album within six months of each other that's yeah. just that's right. a beautiful thing. <laughs> old friends. Well, people should know that we're very old friends too. Yes, we are. Um, that we went to college together. Uh -huh, way back in, in the University of Texas in the late nineties. <laughs> <laughs> the late nineties. The late nineties. It's unbelievable that we uh, have been able to keep up like this. I, I I don't keep up with the Texas crew. You know, outside of just liking things on Facebook, I don't I don't keep up um, as as well with them. So. I like this little relationship of ours, Tony, and I like your new album. Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I like yours too. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and this particular piece, you know, um, you know, it's got a, a lot of complicated uh, counterpoint and stuff going on. Yeah. Um, Which I don't know if I'm that good at. Well, how, you know, how was it putting this together with the, the musicians in the studio? And uh, it was a total pain in the ass. <laughs> it was, it, it was, it, it, I am still, um, dealing with this. Um, and I think that's why you don't hear a lot of albums like yours and like mine, uh, where the composer is directly involved. He's playing and their musician and particularly being in New York, my musicians are very busy, you know, good musicians. There's a lot of work for them. Oh, I'm sure. And there's a lot of demand on their time. And so just getting them all together for rehearsals and stuff like that was in, was nearly impossible. I was only able to get this group together for three rehearsals before the recording. And these were three different people who had been in three different iterations of the ensemble. Um, and uh, so, you know, ha having that be the case it was um just very stressful and i obviously very expensive i had to pay everybody um which i originally didn't want to do i wanted to start sort of a collective and it just it just ended up being that this ensemble which i had created because i got dystonia in my hand was unable to be a competitive soloist anymore 
um, I started writing these pieces that just use uh, your, my thumb, index, and middle finger because my ring finger didn't work anymore. All right. And, and as a result, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I felt that it would also be fun to work with other people and that it would definitely be a, a more interesting album than just an album of solo guitar for uh, three fingers, you know, <laughs> so, uh, you know, so, so I went with this group and um, sort of out of, uh, out of desperation and um, it, it was, yeah, it was a very difficult album to complete, you know, and to get people on board with, but I, I like that I did it, but it's, it's, it's incredibly hard for, I mean, as you know, to sustain, uh, you know, a working ensemble. Oh, yeah. But as far as the album and the composing of it, um, I forget what your original question was. Oh, your question was about that, right? It was kind of like about the logistics of, right. of the group. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so there's a lot of stuff. There, there was never any personal problems with anybody. I, I have a whole new group coming in in April because my violinist um, hurt his back. My clarinet player is going to be uh, in San Francisco all summer. And my uh, bassist just got another gig on Broadway. He's playing Matilda for the spring. Okay. So it's like these things happen. So like literally, you know, I've gone through 10 people before I was able to, <laughs> you know, just at least catch them a little bit in September to make right, this out. Right. But yeah, it, it, it was fun. It was fun. It was, it was, it's fun that it's out. Maybe not as fun to make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's great when it's done, man. The recording process is, uh, can be man, very stressful. It, it is the hardest thing yeah, I've yeah. done. And that goes for all three albums that I have. Every single album was in one way or another, incredibly difficult mm -hmm. for me. I mean, for other people, I'm sure they're fine with it. But for me, that process, the, 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 the stress of having, you know, a couple of years of work go into one session is, is pretty outstanding. Hell yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention the, the, the cost of the recording and stuff like that. Sure. And actually, you know, the, the podcast that's going to be coming out on Friday, uh, we're going to be addressing that. Uh, there's sort of this little war that I'm starting between um, people that feel. Uh, have you ever gotten the sentiment from people that feel like independent records um, are, are, are um, flooding the market right now and making it harder for people that are involved with a record label to sell their music? Have you heard that sentiment before? Um, I'm sure it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt that it's true. You do? Yeah, I'm, I have no doubt that that's true. Yeah, that, that we're hurting them. That, w that we're hurting them? Well, that we're, that we're taking away, you know, that, that when people Google classical guitar and, the, you know, and the first thing that comes up is not John Williams's album, but just some guys. Well, the whole new paradigm <laughs> is... is has destroyed what used to be the record industry, you know, and uh, people just right. coming out with independent releases is just a byproduct of that. I think yeah. um, like they, they cannot afford to pay us anymore. And as a result, um, you know, they, they can't recruit new artists. So they're kind of sticking with the old guard or sticking with what they know or sticking right. with competition right. winners. And so you got to go out there and do it yourself. I just don't know how else we're, but anyway, so yeah, th this episode that's coming up is dealing with that and also um, um, ethics in, um, in, 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 re in um, review publications. Well, that was super interesting, man, that you brought that issue to light. Um, 
and uh, about he, what he's talking about is um, major publications charging artists for positive reviews. Right. Um, and uh, yeah. you're, you're going to talk about that at length. Um, and is it in the next uh, Classical Guitar Insider podcast? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be this Friday. I don't know when this is coming out. Um, but it'll, yeah, it, it'll be out today or tomorrow. So, oh, this yeah. will be out today or tomorrow. Yeah. OK, great. So this week's episode featuring violinist uh, Colin Jacobson. I just I just go on a rant. <laughs> 30 minutes about it. Yeah, that's all at the that's beginning good. before the interview. Yeah. Um, and then also I got an interview for next time. Uh, it, it, it came through too late for this week, but I got an interview with um, a guy named Chris Roberts, who uh, is at the San Francisco Examiner. And I just, you know, I just reached out to a couple of journalists and asked if that was okay to do. Because the shocking thing about what happened, especially when, you know, when you were involved with this thing that happened on Facebook where I had posted uh, the, um, yeah, you know, the, the correspondence between me and this newspaper, um, uh, me and this publication, where they had, you know, said that they wanted to charge me for a, quote, probably positive review. Um and not the, a small the, amount of money. No, no. The reaction between, you know, the, the, the reaction was very surprising because a lot of guitarists came out um, publicly and privately and, and, and defended Fanfare. You know, kind of, uh, you know, essentially saying that I didn't know what I was talking about, that I didn't understand that that was just the way things were done. No, that's BS. And the people <laughs> who have done that, if you look at their bios, their bios start with fanfare quotes. So it's like, you know, I'm sorry that they bought into the system, but right. you know, I, I think right. we gotta, we gotta put a stop yeah. to this. And so I interviewed the guy uh, from the San Francisco examiner and he says, uh, you know, cause you've had difficulty getting your album reviewed as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I talked to the guy at the examiner and he goes, well, yeah, it's sort of a problem. And he goes, but it, it certainly shouldn't be institutionalized the way that they, uh, that they did it over there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, well, I actually, um, so after, that's going to be on the, not this one, but on the next one, I'll, I'll be talking to the journalist about journalistic yeah. integrity. And, yes, and, uh, yes, yes. And, 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 and spoiler alert, um, they are absolutely doing the wrong thing. It's completely, um, uh, unethical to do that. Yes. Well, um, uh, <laughs> after you posted it, you know, uh, on Facebook and stuff, yeah. Um, I emailed, uh, cause I do another podcast called the 1000 recordings podcast, um, based on this, uh, guy's book, 1000 recordings to hear before you die. His name is Tom moon and Tom moon is a reviewer. He's a very well-respected reviewer that, oh, is, okay. that is well, reviewed know, for, yeah. he's reviewed for the Washington post and the New York times and NPR and rolling stone and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And, um, I emailed him about this. I'm like, I'm like, Hey, you know, this is going on and it, is this comment and stuff. And he basically said it's becoming more common, but just as the guy from the San Francisco examiner said, he says it's absolutely wrong. You know, he's disgusted by it and it's sort of bringing down that whole, the whole, uh, criticism, um, industry. Well, yeah. And, 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 and it's taking away from their credibility. They, it, it, yes. They, yes. There's no way that you could take a fanfare magazine at face value. I mean, a fanfare well, that's right. Review. I mean, well, now and now whenever I read a review from fanfare, whether it was paid for or not, in my eyes, it's always going to be tainted because I'm always going to be. Well, did the artist pony up cash for them to say this or not? You know, and, and it's possible that they didn't. 
but um, it's it's forever. Their reputation is tarnished now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not the reputation of the artists. No, not the reputation of, good of the artists. artists have used this. Yes, not the artists, but of the publication. But the yeah. artists felt, in my opinion, trapped. They it, it, and this is the thing I say on on my podcast in the intro for for Friday's episode is that, you know, not all artists, and in particular, most you know, a lot of really good artists aren't necessarily type A personalities that are that are going to you know address the issue. That are going to fight back, or that have um, you know the verbal prowess to um, to speak about the issue in, in in an intelligent way. So it's like it does really fall on us to sort of to stop this behavior. You yes. Know? Um, in particular, you know, you and I are talking about you know our albums and how they're independent albums, how they're self-produced, and um, for people to have a bad attitude or call them vanity recordings. Um, is is pretty disgusting and and that's something we already have to fight for so i kind of feel like we also have to fight for you know against this um against these practices that are that are going to be essentially and eventually they will disenfranchise us and they will make it where independent artists don't have a leg up because we don't have the money to support magazines which is essentially essentially what what they want us to do they want us to pay for the industry ourselves right when we should be the product that the industry is churning out right you know right. they shouldn't be charging us right that's like um it's it's like it's like the auto industry balancing its budget on the backs of people that make spark plugs you know <laughs> and wanting the people that make the spark plugs to buy all the cars yeah you know it's yeah. bullshit so yeah. I hope it stops. I, I do too. Now, um, I did charge you a thousand dollars to come on the show. It, it, so. well, yeah, but that was just because, um, yeah. th- that was just because I like you. <laughs> that was a political maneuver. I, I want you to take the thousand dollars and, um, and, and fly out here and play some more, um, <laughs> board games with me. Sure. Oh All yeah. Right? Absolutely. So I'll pay you a thousand dollars, but fanfare, no way. I'm not paying anything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. So uh, tune into Brett's podcast, Classical Guitar Insider, um, to really hear him talk about this issue, and then um, wait for that uh, interview with uh, the critic from the San Francisco Examiner. I- I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing that interview. Um, and yeah. without further ado, let's listen to your track. Thank you very much, Tony. All right. No, thank you for coming on. This is. Uh, The Gravity of Miss Peters by Brett Williams.
we just heard The Gravity of Miss Peters by Brett Williams. And that's going to do it for All the Cool Parts number 39. If you'd like to send us an email, send us an email to allthecoolparts at gmail.com. If you'd like to look at our website, go to soundnotion.com ACP. And we have a page on Facebook that you can join us there. Also, if you get a minute um, and you like the show, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. And that will help us uh, reach more people. And, uh, yeah, thanks again, Brett, for coming on. It was fun. What are you talking about? It's my pleasure. I wish we could hang out more often. Yeah. Well, we'll have to do, uh, this is a, you know, a series of podcasts that I do. So we'll have to do this again. We will. Cool. All right, Tony. Thanks so much, man. All right. Take care. And to everybody out there, we'll see you next time. Later. <laughs>